This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehaviorHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. Again, that's RetreatBehaviorHealth.com. Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, FHE Health, which is a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for the first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. Take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. And folks, today what I want to talk about is some of the myths that are out there regarding the 12-step programs that are out there in recovery. And uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm going to be answering questions from the listeners out there. You guys are sending in some great questions and comments, and I'd love to see more of that. You know, Again, reach out to me on my Facebook page. Uh, on my website, vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Email me, call me, whatever you want to do, and we can cover some of the questions and comments that you have. And so I had an individual reach out to me and say, hey, listen, I stopped taking some of my medication, namely antabuse, which is what this individual was on, um, because someone in my 12-step group, uh, AA group in this particular instance, told me that I should not be taking medications because it's a, a, a crutch and I shouldn't be using any medications as a, a crutch when you're in recovery. And now uh, I want to address that because as many of you know, I was an instructor down at the FBI Academy and I developed a course called Leading at Risk Employees. And in that course deals with uh, helping police executives from around the world uh, develop programs, policies, and procedures for the people that are in uh, in their agencies. And I developed this course and was teaching them about uh, recovery issues, you know, what is inpatient treatment, what is outpatient treatment, how do you do an intervention, what are you looking for, uh, how do you support uh, officers, what do you do when they relapse, we got into policies and procedures and all that that great stuff. But the great thing about teaching that course was it caused me to really dig into the history of 12-step programs. And I'm going to specifically talk about uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or AA. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because it's important for you to understand that any program that's out there that is a step-based program is originally based on that program, the AA program. Okay, so I'm not endorsing the program. I'm not not endorsing the program. Uh, nothing along those lines. I'm just giving you a historical fact that the uh, programs that you are aware of out there that are available out there are based on that particular program. And the person that was asking the question that I'm I'm going to be addressing here today is a member of that particular program. Now, 
knowing that AA was the foundation of just about every other program out there that you can imagine, uh, I really dug into the history. And if you're listening to me right now and you're somebody that's new to recovery, getting to recovery, and you're hearing things that are out there about the various programs, I suggest that you do the same. And that's what I did in my own recovery was, you know, not only did I have to learn the stuff for teaching the class, but uh, I mentioned in a previous podcast that my first year of recovery, all I did was read recovery-related literature. I, I frankly didn't read anything else. And I'm glad that I did because I learned a lot about how these programs work, what was intended, and then later how people have misconstrued what was intended and misconstrued what was said. Now, here's what I mean by that. This particular individual said that a person that they met in a 12-step meeting told them that they should not be using medication because it is a crutch and you're violating one of the steadfast rules in AA and that is that you cannot take medication and if you do then by definition you're not sober so let me address that first of all if you are new to recovery which this individual is be very very careful in taking advice from other members of the group you don't know their background you don't know their history you don't know what they know. You don't know what they don't know. Um, you don't know um, whether uh, they have been successful in their journey or not, and they are not medical professionals, right? So be very, very careful in that. And I heard it said one time that, you know, in this program, we are all sick in one way or another. And two sickies don't make a welly. You know, and I always like that line, two sickies don't make a welly. So you've got two people that are in a program trying to get sober, giving one another advice. And to be honest, to be honest, if you're new to recovery and you are taking a medication like antabuse that's preventing you from drinking, and if you're not familiar with antabuse, antabuse, what it does is makes you violently ill if you drink on it. So you're, it's the shock treatment. So if you drink on antabuse, you're, you're not going to drink for very long. That's, that's for sure. It's going to shut you down. So it's a highly effective medication to keep you from drinking. So if you are going around your 12-step group and you meet somebody that says, hey, you shouldn't be taking that then you're probably not going to take it because the truth is you're really struggling with your drink in the first place. Let's let's be honest. Any reason to not to drink, you're probably going to take that reason. And the the fact is it's not probably going to take you a lot of salesmanship to get to the point where you say, "All right, I'm not going to go ahead and take that antabuse." Now, this person is not your doctor, right? And so I noticed that this individual did not go to their doctor and talk to the doctor about it. They talked to their friend at the AA meeting who said, you shouldn't be taking that. So A, let's just, let's just mention that, that you're probably looking for an excuse to drink in the first place. Now, when somebody in a 12-step meeting says that by taking medication, it is a crutch, and then that's not real sobriety. Well, let's just go back into the uh, what the original intent of AA was. Now, you have to understand that Bill Wilson and Bob Smith, the two co-founders of AA, uh, one was a doctor, Dr. Bob Smith. He was a medical doctor. And then Bill Wilson was a businessman uh, that really had a knack of being, around, being able to go around and look at psychologists, psychiatrists, spiritual leaders, business leaders, uh, uh, medical professionals, all the above, and sort of synopsizing 
what it was that they felt was important and then boiled that down into a program. And in that program, he came up with the 12 steps, which was an adaptation from the original six steps from the Oxford group. And some other day, I'll, I'll go through a whole history of how that, that worked. But I'm just giving you this to, to lead to a certain point. So Bill Wilson took all of these concepts that he had learned in his life, and he was an absolute genius at boiling uh, very complicated ideas down to very simple principles that people could follow. And then he was pretty good at stealing ideas from other people to make that happen. And, and he made no bones about that. He didn't come up with these ideas as being original. What he was able to do was take these other ideas that people had and then apply them to his particular situation, which was a horrific alcohol problem that he had. Now, in that, he was very clear in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And to the person that reached out to me and asked me this question, first, I would say, you need to read the literature. You need to read the big book. You don't need to be talking to friends about what their opinions of the program are. You need to read the literature because in the literature, it is very, very clear that uh, we are in that if you're in that program, let's put it that way. If you're in the AA program, you are to reach out to people, to professionals that have an expertise in an area that includes medical professionals, but it also is psychologists, it is spiritual leaders, it is a, you know, physical, your physical program, your diet, so dietitians we go, we reach out to, anybody that has a, an expertise in an area that we can benefit from in our recovery, you are to do that. Bill Wilson was very clear about that, and again, that is discussed in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So that should be the first source, not not a friend from a meeting. Now, along with that, Bill Wilson himself uh, was somebody that was always experimenting with new ways of treating his depression because he did have horrible depression. He had, he had anxiety. He realized that in his life he was probably lacking nutrients, so he experimented with various vitamin supplements, whether it be B12, B, uh, B3, that was something that was real big on his plate, B1. He did uh, all sorts of experimentation with that. Uh, one of the areas of AA history that some people consider a dark spot in the AA history is Bill Wilson's uh, experimentation with lysergic acid or LSD, and that was in the mid-1960s. Now, let me address that for a second. Um, you have to understand that you know today LSD is the big no-no. It's it's a big evil drug, and in a lot of respects it is. But they didn't know that in Bill Wilson's time. Uh, you have to understand that a LSD was legal, and b it was used by the government uh, in all kinds of experiments and with people for for various reasons. And there was hope that there was a psychiatric benefit to using LSD. That was the belief at the time, and that was Bill Wilson's belief. They later, and a lot of people that talk about Bill Wilson, particularly as that being a dark stain on a, a history, don't understand that he rejected the use of LSD later on. And it's very easy to look at history through our lens today, all these years later, and taking what we know now and applying those same standards back to what people knew at the time. And Bill Wilson, as he learned more about the drug, stopped using it. But the point here being was that Bill Wilson was willing to experiment to do things that would alleviate his depression because he knew that it was depression and resentments that led to picking up the first drink in the first place. And so he was on that constant surge 
uh, or search rather, to find ways to help him and others in the program get well. Now, so if you read his history, Bill Wilson's history and the history of AA, what you will find is constant searching, constantly looking for the things that will help an individual get well and get sober. So this idea that you can't take medications that will help you get well is absolutely absurd and does not fit within the tenets of the early days of of AA. After all, uh, the very the very first chapter of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous is written by a doctor, and and talking about how that particular doctor was looking for ways and methods of trying to get people who had what many believed at that time to be a disease that was. Uh, almost incurable because they didn't have anything leading up to that point and deadly and it had such a very dismal success rate he talked about how how these people in AA found a program that seemed to be working and as a medical professional he absolutely supported the program having said all of this many of you that are listening to me right now and myself included really really struggled in that first year In fact, I'll break it down a bit more. Let's just say that first month. And if you are somebody that has struggled with your sobriety or is struggling with your sobriety right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That first month, forget about the first year, the first month is just incredibly hard to get through, right? It is. And there are people out there that do need help to get through that period. Because once again, don't forget what your goal is. If you're listening to my voice right now and you're struggling with addiction, what is your goal? Your goal is to get sober, isn't it? Are you willing to do what it takes to get sober? And that's the question. The first and foremost question that you need to ask yourself is, are you willing to do what you need to do? And if the answer to that is yes then please listen to what I'm telling you. You need to listen to the instructions of people that know what they're talking about, people that spend their lives, dedicate their lives to what we're talking about here today, and that is the addiction professionals that are out there. God gave us these people, and we have to listen to the advice that they have, and we have to listen to the advances in medicine as we learn things. you got to remember that the person that you meet at an AA meeting is in recovery just like you are. They are struggling just like you are. They probably don't know much more about recovery than you do. Always, always remember that. Being at AA meetings are fantastic. There is no program out there that has a better success rate than AA because it's a support group. Never forget that that's what it is. It is a support group. It is the fellowship. It is not a medical ward. These are not people that are licensed. This is not a a dig on AA, because I love AA, but you have to remember what its purpose is, and that is to support you in your sobriety. And along with that, you have to do what you need to do to get through. Now, if you are somebody that is constantly relapsing, then you might want to look at antabuse or naltrexone, Vivitrol, some of these other medications that are out there. That's between you and your doctor, right? I'm no medical professional, and I'm, I certainly am not looking at your individual case. But what I'm telling you is that if you are somebody that just cannot seem to put together a month, a week, 
a year, whatever the case may be. You just can't. And you want to, and you've been trying for years, then what I'm saying to you is then you might want to talk to your doctor and and look at options for medications and see if that's something that can help. Now, having said that, once you start on a regimen, a medical regimen, it behooves you to try that for a period of time. And it may take months for whatever medication you are on to take the the desired effect. Now, keep in mind that that's assuming that you're not drinking or drugging on top of whatever medication you're getting from your healthcare professional. I hope that makes sense. Meaning that these drugs are designed to work a certain way and your healthcare professional will prescribe them to you in a certain way, assuming that you're not putting anything else into your system on top of that, which will negatively interact with that medication. So if you're going to take a medication, then take the medication, but be patient. This stuff does not work overnight. In fact, some of your SSRIs and SNRIs and and other drugs may take uh, weeks, if not months, to start working properly, or in other words, getting to the point where you notice any sort of a difference. That's, you know, the the antidepressants and all the other things that that you may be uh, prescribed that it may take months for it to start working properly. But if you discontinue, if that's something that you decide to do is discontinue those medications, then you don't talk to your buddy at your 12-step meeting. You talk to your medical professional about it and have a discussion about why you want to go off of it. And it's because that you have not experienced any changes or you're having adverse side effects, whatever the case may be, that is something to talk to your doctor about. Because maybe they need to up your medication. Maybe they need to lower the medication. Maybe they need to change the medication. But that's where the conversation needs to be, is with the medical professional. Now, addressing the issue of it being a crux or cheating in AA, you got to remember many of these medications have no change on your mood. It's not a mood changer. It doesn't alter your state in any way. You're not taking antabuse to get high. You're not taking naltrexone to get high. This is not methadone. It's not uh, any other sort of a drug that, all you know, it's not oxycot- uh, code, hydrocodone or oxycontin drugs that actually do uh, alter your state and give you a high. That's not what we're talking about here. And when I was asked this question by this individual, this is not a drug that, that alters their state whatsoever. So it's not cheating because you're not getting a high from it, right? Antabuse gives you no high whatsoever. The only time you even notice that you're taking antabuse is when you drink on it, and then you're really going to wish that you had not taken a drink on it. That's the only time you notice it at all. But really the bottom line is, folks, and I'll end with this. If you've gotten to the point where you're asking people in AA meetings about whether you should or you should not be taking a medication, The fact is, you've probably decided in your mind already that you don't want to take that medication, which means that you probably have not gotten to the point to where you are very, very serious about getting sober and have made that decision to get sober for good. At the end of the day, your sobriety is your responsibility, and it is an individual thing. We go to doctors, we go to fellowship groups, we go to our spiritual groups, we, we call our friends, we call our sponsors, we do all of these things to help support us in our recovery. But at the end of the day, our recovery is an individual effort that is supported by fellowship groups. But at the end of the day, the only person that's not putting a drink or a drug in my body is me. And you've got to make that decision. You have to surrender to this disease. This disease is deadly. 
and it will kill you. And before it kills you, it will destroy everything in your life. And you have to believe that because the evidence is clear on that. If you are to the point where you are even having these discussions with yourself and the people that you hold dear in your life, you really need to stop using altogether. And you need to use all the means necessary, all the tools in your toolbox to make that happen. And so I hope that this was a helpful podcast for you. I hope you got something out of it. Again, reach out to me and let me know if there's anything that you'd like to have covered. I love these questions. They're great questions. And I just hope that this is helping you in some way come to that conclusion that there are tools that you can use to help yourself get sober. You may need to do this for a few months. You may need to do it up to a year. In my case, it was over a year I was on certain medications that helped. But you know what I'm glad that I did? Because that's finally what got me to the point to where I am today. You know, we get assistance from all those people. You know, what was the old Beatles songs? You know, with a little help from my friends. (laughs) Now, I think they were talking about drug use in that song. However, you know, it also applies to getting sober. And and it's with a little bit of help from my friends. And sometimes that's what we need to do. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's the results that matter. And I'm glad that I took uh, that advice. And this was advice that somebody gave to me a long time ago. And I'm passing it on to you. This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat substance use and mental health treatment centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehaviorHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. Again, that's RetreatBehaviorHealth.com.